Hello and welcome to the programme. Every day we're encouraged to lose weight, cut down on fats and salts and start exercising. How hard is it to start exercising and what type should we be doing? My guest today is a general practitioner who actively encourages her patients and her staff to do the easiest of all exercising, walking. Dr. Carla Raja, welcome to the program. Thank you. Did I get that statement right, that walking really is the easiest? I believe so, because what makes it easy is it's cheap, costs nothing, you don't need any special equipment, you can do it just about anywhere, weather permitting. As you say, it really is the easiest. Before we start walking, is there anything we need to consider? Before a person contemplates any form of exercising on a regular basis, if they're normally well, it, it is okay for them to do the basic form of exercise, which is walking. If a person is suffering from heart disease or lung condition or any other known medical condition, he or she should check with their GPs before they undertake any regular exercise. Many of us have great intentions, but very little productivity. Is it hard to get started? Intentions are all only useful when they are converted into actions. So the simple way to perhaps convert the intention into an action is to commit to a friend perhaps or a next-door neighbour, join a local group because we have this pack mentality as human beings and we don't like to let other people down. So we will get there even if it is for the sake of not letting the people down, which in turn will help ourselves. We'll, We'll help ourselves by exercising. How much exercise should we be aiming for? National Heart Foundation recommends at least 30 minutes of movement, be it continuous or cumulative, most days of the week. So we used to say three times a week, but it has been increased to five times a week. So by cumulative, you mean we can do 10 minutes before breakfast and then if we're going to catch the bus, which takes us 10 minutes, that all adds up through the day? Indeed it does. Mm. And, um, it, it can be segmented lots of 10 minutes mm. and it would still still eventually be the same. Mm-hmm. It's preferable, however, to be in one straight stretch so you're getting your heart rate up and the pulse rate goes up and you are actually feeling like you're exercising. And do we need to walk every day? If you can, well and good. Most days of the week is sufficient. What difference does age make to the amount of exercise that we do? Age can slow people down. Um, as one gets older, you have the co- comorbidities, as we call it, the coexisting medical conditions, arthritis, heart conditions, lung conditions, can't breathe, all those things. So as that goes on, you're probably limited to what you can do. As far as the requirement goes, I don't believe that uh, the requirement is any less as you're getting older. So we still need to just adjust it to, to whatever our condition is at that particular time. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. It would be preferable to keep moving, doing some sort of movement mm. most days of the week. Now, I know probably that um, running and jogging is out for the, for the older generations, but as far as the younger ones go, is it better to, to run or jog than to walk? It is better because, it, it, as I said earlier, the heart rate improves a lot better and the, the metabolic rate increases. Mm-hmm. So naturally, the more intense the exercise is, the better it is if they, when they are younger. But any, any, ex, any movement is good movement. And what about riding a bike? Is that better than walking or different from? It is different. Um, you, if To ride a bike, 
you need to ride further and do a longer distance mm. to get the same effect from, say, about half an hour of walking. One thing with sitting on the, on the saddle of a bike, it sort of takes the weight off the hips rather than walking. So in some cases, would it be preferable to walking? Especially if they've got arthritis, they take, taking the weight off does mm. help. Mm. Often when we walk or we're in a hurry, we become breathless. If we're going to take up walking seriously or any form of exercise, should we expect to get out of breath in the early days? You would, as and as you keep exercising more and more, exercise tolerance improves and you can walk further or walk with more intensity and get less short of breath. As long as you recover from the shortness of breath, not, not long after you stop, you're doing well. The basic rule of thumb that Heart Foundation recommends as a good intensity of exercise is as long as you can maintain a normal conversation as you're walking, you're doing well. You're, you're okay on, yeah. on that basis. Is the heart rate likely to be very high when we get started and does that change? I'm talking about starting to do the exercise, not while we're actually exercising itself, but does the heart rate change very much? Do you mean beginning of the exercise mm. routine? Mm. Um, yes, it depends on one's fitness. The less fit you are, the, the quicker the heart rate increases with the minimal amount of exercise. And is this a good thing? It's a natural phenomenon. Right, okay. So it doesn't really matter to to a large extent as long as there's no pains in the chest? That is correct, as long mm. as you don't have any medical conditions. Yeah. Sometimes, even if we are classed as being well, we still end up with tightness in the chest. Is that something that we should be aware of? It's a sign to stop immediately until you get medically checked. If if a person is getting chest tightness on exercising, they should stop immediately and seek medical attention. How soon after the exercise should they get to see a doctor? Or can they sort of put it off and say, oh, I'll have a go, another go next week or whatever? Each case has to be taken on, on its uh, merits and if they have got a family history of heart condition and if they experience pains like this, they should seek medical attention sooner than later. We live in the city. We're not too far from doctors. Why postpone something that we as important as mm. this? Okay. Now, what about pains in their legs? If we haven't walked for a long time or have never walked in, in any sort of strict sense, the calves of the, the legs get sore and, and ache. Is this something that we can expect when we first start off or is it something that will improve as our regime Im improves? There are specific medical conditions that can cause pain in the calf on exercising. If one has um, circulation problems, circulatory problems to the legs, it can cause uh, what we call claudication in, in the calf and, and cause pain, which indicates uh, decreased blood circulation to the, to the muscles of the leg, which again is a medical condition. But for a for normal p person, if they're walking and they get a bit of pain in the calf, which passes straight away as they if they kept walking and it is okay for them to continue as long as it doesn't persist and if it sort of comes and goes say over the next week or week or a half um, once they get into the regime should they still seek help about it or is it something if the pain persists on and off mm. for the for the first two or first one or two weeks even after exercising yes mm. they should get medical attention okay so when you think about it, most of us do some some walking, even if it's from 
getting out the car and going through to the shops and, and walking around the shops and back out. Is that sufficient to be classed as exercise? It's better than nothing. We should uh, probably think of exercise as an opportunity and not as a chore, walking as an opportunity, not as a chore. If we we have very strapped for time and we haven't got any other time, try and make use of the opportunities we have. Try and park the car furthest away from the shopping centre rather than drive round and round looking for the park closest to the door. And take the stairs at work instead of um, catching the lift, which we could wait for for minutes on end and waiting for the lift where you could be taking the stairs, you could be up at the next level in no time at all. So if one takes exercise as an opportunity, movement as an opportunity, it's to great benefit. So it basically means looking at our lifestyle half the time, whether we're making opportunities to do something about our health. Indeed, that is, that is uh, common sense. Mm. It's common sense to look for opportunities to, do, to move. Do you think, though, in this, in this day and age that we tend to hurry everywhere so we don't look for those opportunities? To a, to a large extent, it's true. We, we're all always trapped for time. We haven't got enough time, and we try and um, maximise our output from minimal time. We're talking today about getting fit and keeping fit, and my guest today is Dr. Carla Raja. Dr. Raja, what benefits do we get from walking? What does it actually do to our body? The benefits of movement, exercise, walking of any sort is numerous. First and foremost, it's a state of mental and physical well-being. To quote one of my group members in my walking group, it's quote unquote, mm-hmm. it's a pain to get out of bed early, but when you finish, you feel ready to take on whatever the day has to offer. So it's a case of, to some extent, mind over matter. Indeed. Mm. So as well as actually sort of talking yourself into doing the exercise, this mind over matter, does it give you the chance just to sometimes come to a peace with yourself in while you're walking rather than just thinking, oh, I've got to get round the corner, or I've got to do this, and when I get home, I've got to do something else. So you can use it to as a mental relaxation. Most often people do, and uh, if you look at institutions like uh, Beyond Blue, um, they recommend exercise as mm. part of their mental well-being program be- uh, because it's got some real chemical benefits. The endorphin release from exercise helps the well-being throughout the day, mm. both mental and physical. You feel more energised after exercise. And do these endorphins n- not sort of produce themselves in the course of everyday living? No, no, you have to work at it. It's something we really have to. <laughs> okay, we've made up our minds we're going to walk. Having done that, what's the best way to get started? You've, you've made a start because you've already, you're thinking about it, you want to do it. Right, okay. That's, that's the first hurdle. You've, you've gone and climbed the first hurdle. Thinking about it and actually getting round to doing it, there's often an enormous stride there. How do we get over that first step? I tell my patients not to have that inertia. You've, you've thought about it, act on it straight away. If you put it in the too hard basket or, you know, if you start procrastinating about it, it you'll become an eternal procrastinator and not do it at all. Call a friend who probably might be as enthused or might have 
her, his or her own reservations about going for walking, and you might have helped a friend as well in, in, in the bargain that you could both go and do it. And that would give us brownie points. That's exactly right, exactly right. <laughs> and if you prefer, check out the local gyms. There are very many gyms around the area. There's the Just Walkered groups, which uh, I belong to in the, through the National Heart Foundation. There's several satellite groups everywhere around the city. They can ring the National Heart Foundation or go on the website and um, check it out. Towards the end of the program, we'll get that phone number and the website too. If we get started and we're walking every morning, for example, and then after about a week or 10 days, it rains, can't go this morning, and that breaks the interest, if you like. How do we actually maintain the interest in getting walking and staying at it? You know, what do we use as the, as the carrot? That's all too common a problem, and that's mm. actually the most common problem to break a routine is the weather. We are entering into supposed winter and the wet season, as we may call it, and it's very cold to get out in the winter. It's very all too easy to break the routine. That's where the groups come in very handy. Obviously, if you're part of a group and you say, I'm not going to walk in the rain, but somebody says, oh, well, it doesn't matter. You can go home and have a shower afterwards or whatever. Um, is that the in, the basic incentive that we need to get going you know, or to mm, keep going? Majority of the times. Yes. What about if you work on your own by yourself and it rains or it's cold or, oh golly, I've slept in or whatever? How do we keep that momentum going if that happens? It depends on how seriously you've made the start and how seriously you've committed yourself to the program and how well you want to fail. If you started feeling better because you've been walking or any form of exercising you have to one has to go back and think how well one felt when they were doing it and hopefully try and get motivated again i mentioned there about walking first thing in the morning it doesn't have to be first thing in the morning does it not necessarily but in our with our lifestyle being extremely busy we certainly most of us don't have control over the events of the day but we do have control over the events of the morning so generally st- statistics have shown that all the the stairs are the morning exercises 75 percent of people who start exercising every morning continue to exercise and they they are, they become stayers they they continue to do so now with people who are retired and and therefore one would hope that their lifestyle is a bit slower than those who rush off to work it doesn't have to be crack of dawn necessarily does it not necessarily in fact i would recommend that they go a little bit later so they can avoid the crowds on the walk path (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking that um, where i live um, the suburb where i live has very few hills for example but i often see people out early in the morning and I'm wondering, are we better off finding somewhere that has a few hills rather than just walking on the flat? You create your own pace. You can walk quite fast on on the flat and still generate a fair bit of benefit. But as you progress with your intensity and the level of exercise, you want to increase your intensity and you would go looking for hills. The fact that we start off on the flat, we stay on the flat for a minute, and it takes us... 20 minutes to do a, a, a circuit of wherever we're going. Should we then aim at trying to cut down that time 
cover the same distance in a, a lesser time? Is that that's a challenge one should have for oneself, and it, it for regular exercises it happens anyway. Mm. You naturally increase your speed, you naturally increase your intensity, and uh, you do cover the same distance in a shorter time. Rather than settling down to that distance, saying, "Oh, hooray! I've finished now in fifteen minutes," <laughs> one should keep going for the further length of time, so you actually. Walking further, gaining more out of it. So you sort of move your the boundaries rather than work keep, on the time. Keep shifting the goalposts okay. away from you, not closer to. You. <laughs> I, I suspect that some of us will will move them forward. But um, <laughs> anyway, does the fact that walking around the suburbs means that you're pounding the pavements more often than not? Is it less damaging to the bone structure rather than? walking on grass, you know, to actually place your heels down, um, which can have a jarring effect. Are you better off to walk on grass? Not necessarily. Um, I've heard one reference where walking on, on grass could be uneven surfaces because you don't know what's, what the, how level mm. the surface is. There could be a hole there and you could risk more injury, whereas walking on pavement, as long as you can see the pavement, is mm. all even. Mm. And you're walking, you're not running. Running and jogging on hard pavement, it can be a problem. I mean, we've got some magnificent beaches around here. Walking on the beach and on the sand, is that... Fantastic. Better than on the pavement? It's, it's, Overall? it's more intense. A bit harder to it's do. It's harder to do, especially on dry sand. <laughs> you sound like you've been there, done that. <laughs> Does it detract from the effects that we get by actually not going walking at all? but sitting on an exercise bike um, in the lounge room or, or wherever, um, watching television or listening to the radio, is that exercise just as good? I, I would say so, definitely. It, all exercise is good. So it doesn't matter if you're going to s- pedal away for 20 minutes or whatever with a book in front of you or listening to the radio or doing something. I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is this mind over matter thing again. So if you're concentrating on what you're doing, is is not necessarily needed? You can sort of relax while you're doing it so you can sit and watch the television or whatever. For some people, exercise is the best form of relaxation, believe it or not. I think I would need persuading, but that's a personal thing. <laughs> Might be a small minority. <laughs> if we're a bit sore starting off and you tend to ache and, and be a bit sore, how soon after starting and getting into a routine should that soreness start to wear off the soreness shouldn't deter people from exercising the best way to combat the soreness is to keep exercising if it is if you're very sore you could do lesser distance lesser time but you must keep moving okay and how important is it to take a bottle of water with us if we're walking it's not necessarily important, especially if you're only doing short distances, but it's advisable. Mm. Particularly, I guess, if the, if the weather's if, a bit warm. If the weather's warm and if you intend on going for a longer walk, you don't want to get dehydrated. My guest today is Dr. Carla Raja, and we're talking about exercising and getting fit. Dr. Raja, can you give us some tips on how to make exercising a habit? Is it just a matter of mind over matter or can we actually feel as if we're getting brownie points, if you like? How do we form that peace of mind? 
You're exercising for your personal gain, not to prove a point to anybody else. You're exercising for well-being. You're not going to see benefits of exercise within first few sessions of exercising. If you, if you, if one's in, one's intention is to lose weight by exercising, you're not going to see the benefit within a week or two. You're going to have to persist and be at it for a long periods of time before you see the end gain. And exit walking alone, for example, is not going to make you lose weight. You have to combine that with healthy eating. A walk today so I can have a bag of chips is not going to make you lose weight, is it? <laughs> no, or go home and have that thick cup of coffee or whatever. <laughs> or have a skim milk iced coffee with cream on top. <laughs> you just killed the whole idea. Um, how soon are we likely to, you say we're not going to get it straight away, under normal circumstances, you start exercising, after what period of time can you expect to see some results? apart from feeling better, you know, using it to, to lose weight? If you're using exercise to lose weight and you're controlling your he- eating habits and practicing healthy eating habits, you should see benefits about the fourth week mark. So it's not really so very long once, once, no, you, once you get no, your head around it. depends on how yeah. good you are. Mm. Are there likely to be any injuries um, that we, we could sustain from exercising? other than falling down potholes in the grass? Well, it might discover some um, achy joints that you haven't used before, but you've got to work past it. So we're, we're not going to have any permanent damage, if you like, as a result of exercising under normal circumstances? Under normal circumstances, mm. no. If there are any, well, I guess I've answered my own question because I was going to say how can we prevent injuries and I guess it is simply watching the pavement that you don't trip over something and or fall down potholes. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do? I understand that it's not a good idea to um, walk straight out of the house and start pounding the pavements. We need to do some form of warm-up. What should we be doing? When you start walking first, you walk slow, walk for a minute or two and, start and do some stretches. Stretch your hamstring, stretch your quads, the legs, and if uh, anybody needs any advice on how to stretch, they can go to the Heart Foundation website and there are some pictures in the Just Walk It program Mm -hmm. section where you can find some stretches. And when we've been for our walk, we're sort of feeling nice and warm and comfortable as the result of walking. Do we need to warm down? Can we just go and jump in the shower and have a shower and and relax and, and do that way? It is advisable for you to stretch after the walk because once the, when the muscles are warm, you can actually stretch for longer and stretch the muscle fibres. It stops the lactic acid build-up happening. Can you explain to me what lactic acid is? Lactic acid is the acid that builds up with sustained exercise in the muscle fibres. And what does it actually do? Build-up of lactic acid can cause pain. Right, okay. So, so you keep exercising, it, it gets out of the system. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned about being involved in a walking group, and I know that from talking with you and from things I've read that you do actually set up walking groups or you've set them up amongst your own patients and and your staff. How many people do you need in a group? More than two is a group. More than one is a group. More than one is a group, yeah. (laughs) Um, So does it need to be a very big group? No, it doesn't have to be a very group, big group at all. The, the advantage of having a reasonable-sized group is even if there are dropouts, you still have a, 
reasonable number to keep on going with. And what would you think as being a, a reasonable number? Half a dozen? Ten, six, mm-hmm. the six to ten would be fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, we've mentioned a few times about the National Heart Foundation. Do you have available with you the National Heart Foundation phone number? The National Heart Foundation website would be the best reference. Okay, and that, that it's is? www.heartfoundation.org.au foundation.org.au.au Am I right in thinking that they actually, they being the National Heart Foundation, um, have a kit to help you set up a group and, and get the whole thing going? Yes, if one is interested in wanting to be a leader and wanting to organise the group themselves, they mm-hmm. can contact the Heart Foundation Just Walk Good program and the coordinator there will be too happy to send all the information that's required. That's how I got started. And you then go on and register your group and on you go with it. Okay. And obviously there are no age limits. It's only a matter of um, ability to walk that makes the difference. That's precisely correct, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for coming in and talking to me. You make it sound not so much just encouraging, but you make it sound all so easy. Is it easy? I believe so. And I've got my um, groups, in my group, I've got people who didn't think they would persist. We have been going now for close to three months and it's going good. So on that basis, thank you for coming in and thank you for talking to me. It's been my pleasure. My guest today has been General Practitioner Dr. Carla Raja. Thank you for listening and until the next time we meet, this is Iris Nichols on behalf of all the team thanking you and wishing you well.